Well, tonight we'll see how we come out. We'll, we may go two or three different directions on what we're going to do. But um, I had something on my heart that came up on my heart yesterday about this, and it may be a little bit different than you would think. It may start out a little bit somber, but I think it'll change real quickly. Um, it's called the fulfilled life. See how quiet it got? I was studying about something and I was thinking a little bit about just people in general. And so I looked up something and I think some of this will surprise you. One in six people attempt suicide every day. One in six. So let's start down this aisle. And let's go one, two, three, four, five. Stand up. 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 One. Two, three, four, five, stand up. One, two, three, four, five, stand up. One, two, three, four, five, Jordan, stand up. One, two, three, four, five, stand up. One, two, three, I've missed Carrie, so four. Five, stand up. One, two, three, four, five, stand up. One, two, three, four, five, stand up. Miss Vicky, one, two, three, four. Who's at the end of that row down there? Jeremy, stand up. Uh, yeah, you can stand up and then I'll count him. One, two, Jeremiah, I mean, three, four, five, stand up. One, two, three, four, five. Stand up, Miss Barbara. It's okay. One, two, three, four, five. Stand up. One, two, three, four, five. Stand up. One, two, three, four, five. Stand up. One, two, three, four, five. Go ahead. Um, purple shirt. No, not behind you. Right there, yeah. Right there, there you go. One, two, we may miss one or two here or there, but we'll get the next one. One, two, three, four, five, white sweater. One, two, three, four, five, and then we'll come back up here. We, we got to right here, so we'll come back, stand up. One, two, three, four, five, young man with the maroon shirt, stand up. Then one, two, three, four, five, stand up. One, two, three, four, five. Can you stand up, sir? Yeah, there you go. Then one, two, three, four, five. Into the aisle, yep. One, two, three, four, five. Well, one of y'all in the sound booth needs to stand up. <laughs> okay, let's see here. One, uh, two, three, four. 
five, right here. Can you stand up? One, two, three, four, five. One of y'all can, you don't have to stand up. Let him stand up for you. There you go. We'll get another one. Then one, two, three, four, five, six. Last one on the aisle there. Stand up. Then I'll come over here to the other side. Do you see what I'm doing? It didn't say people not in church. Okay, so uh, we stopped here. So one, two, three, uh, four, five. Let's go. Six. Let me, ma'am, in the blue shirt. Would you stand up? Okay. Two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. You. One, two, three, four, five. Very end of the second. Yep. One, two, three, four, five. Right there. One, two, three, four, five. Middle. Last row. Yep. Six. Okay. That's getting close. We may have missed one or two because the choir came out. A couple of y'all over there in the choir stand up, might stand up. That'd get our numbers close. And we got people upstairs in TV. Now, I want you to look around the room for just a minute. And I want you to see all the people standing up. And I want you to see how far they are from you. Not too far, right? That means that most likely you came in contact with someone tonight that has had thoughts of suicide. Or is very, very depressed. Or is on. They said over 70% of people are on antidepressants right now. Sad. Now, this is, this is bad. Do you see this number right here? But this is what it said. It said one in every six people do it. But for one... Suicide in every 25 attempts. So in other words, 123 people die every day with suicide attempts. Attempts, But of those, there's 25 more that attempted to commit suicide. So that would almost be everybody in this room. So that would multiply that and it would be 3,075 people... We don't have 3,075 people in here. That would be the Branson Church and people watching on the Internet. That means that we are coming in contact and rubbing shoulders every day with somebody that's really depressed. We're talking with them. And they may come in here and they may be smiling and they may be saying exactly the right things. And they may know the right confession to make. And they may be doing exactly the right things and going through all the motions of just exactly the right things. But they may be doing all they can do to put this smile on their face to get here. And I want, uh, the reason I want these people to stand, I want you to look again, especially people on the front row. The people on the back row can see them pretty good. 
But that's a lot of people that you're coming in contact with that we're just pretending like this doesn't exist. Okay, you can be seated. Now, I want to come back to us as Christians. Now, we know that in the world that exists. Correct? You would assume that that's a fact in the world. But in the church, it's zero difference right now. It's a lot of put on. It's a lot of fake. It's a lot of saying the right things. It's a lot of going through the motions. It's a lot of coming to church and putting on a a happy face. But the minute that they walk out of church, it's the depression. And it's the sadness. And it's the marriage fights. And it's the problems with the kids. And it's all the other things. And I was asking the Lord about it, you know, and, and what's all this stuff about? And it was just as clear as a bell. Dave and I were talking about it earlier this week, but I didn't put two and two together. We have a purpose. What purpose does this table have? You can put stuff on it. Somebody could sit on it if they wanted to. You can put food on it. You can put my Bible on it. You can put this cup on it. You can eat on it. But it has purposes. Most likely you're not going to be dancing on it. You're not going to be doing other things, you know. But some people do. But little kids, different things. But it genuinely was made for a specific purpose. Same thing with this chair. It was made for a specific purpose. Is that correct? Is made to be set in. Is that right? What this cup? What was it made for? It was made to be drink out of. It doesn't matter what you drink out of it, but it's made to drink out of. Well, do you think if all these things were made with a purpose, and most of them have a specific purpose? That you were made with a specific purpose in mind? That God created us and he had a purpose for us in mind? I think, I mean, think about this. A lot of you may not know it, but you know, as I was doing this, I was thinking about all the famous people that just recently have committed suicide. Y'all help me with some of the names. I know they said, uh, what, Donna Karen? Didn't she recently commit suicide? Huh? Robin Williams committed suicide? Kate Spade? Kurt Cobain? I mean, these are really wealthy, well-known people. That, that have accomplished a, a lot, a lot, a lot of things. Well, maybe I got the name wrong. Maybe it was Kate Spade instead of Donna Karen. Yeah. But, you know, a, a lot of these people have gotten to where they sought to be in life. They had money. They'd accomplished things. They had wealth. They had families. They had everything that the world would recognize as accomplishment. 
So what happened? What happened? So I have a question for you, and I'm kind of getting a little bit ahead of myself, but we'll come back to it. Why are we doing the same thing that they do every day, stepping over each other to try to get all these things in the world when we see what results they're getting? We see how their lives are turning out. We see what they're ending up with. Why, why are we fighting so hard every day to do exactly what they're doing? Let me read you some scriptures, and I think we'll get back on, on track with some things here. Do you remember, I may not even read it to you, I may tell you the story. you remember the woman at the well of Samaria? How many of you don't remember that story? I don't like telling the story. The woman at the well of Samaria? Okay, um, it's the woman that she went there, and Jesus had sent his disciples away to get food, and... Um, uh, let, let me just tell you parts of it. Let's see. Verse 5. We'll just read it. John 4, 5. You may want to mark it in your Bible. It says, Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob had given to his son. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the wall, and it was about the sixth hour. And there comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask of me a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that said unto thee, Give me drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well's deep. And whence thou hast this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which has given us this well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this well will thirst again. But whosoever drinks the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst. And neither, that I not thirst and neither come to draw. What's he talking about? He's talking about filling her spirit to where she's no longer thirsty for the natural things, where she's satisfied. She's fulfilled on the inside of her. Now let me read you the opposite of that. And then we'll go on. Proverbs 27.20. This is King James. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man 
Or what? Never satisfied. Put the message up there. Hell has a voracious appetite. And lust just never quits. Now, uh, let's see if I got the... uh, See if y'all can find it. It starts with ambition. See if you catch it real quick. I forget what translation it is. Or I'll read it to them. Same verse. Somehow I lost... Oh, the Living Bible. That's what it is. I got it here. Just missed it. The Living Bible. Maybe the old one. Yeah. Ambition and death are alike in this. Neither are ever satisfied. And that's what I wanted to get across in part of this. What do most of us get up every single day doing? What did you do today? Work. What did you do today? Work. 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 How many of you in here went to work today? Work is not a bad thing. We're supposed to work. Dave's probably going to shoot me because he's going to get, you know. But work is not supposed to be your life. If it is your life, it's supposed to be so that you can minister to others while you're there. Now, let's do another little thing here. All right, everybody stand up again. I told you it's going to be different tonight. Everybody stand up again. Now, this is going to take a little bit of finesse. All right? I want everybody in here that's in this room to connect hands with somebody. You've got to come from the back. You've got to come from the... Don't leave one person unconnected. You people in the back, you're going to have to move to the front. Sorry about that. Come up, come up, come up, come up from wherever you are. All the way and join hands. Come up, come up, come up, come up, come up. Every person in here connected. These rows back here, everybody connect. Join hands. Everybody connect. I think you're going to get what I'm talking about. Sometimes you have to see something. Because you'll never forget those six people standing up. Connect, 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 connect. You know, you know that game, connect, what was it? Oh, connect four, yeah. (laughs) Used to play with my nieces and nephews, yeah. Connect. Who's not holding somebody's hand? Raise your hand if you're not holding somebody's hand. Okay? Everybody in here is connecting? Everybody in here is connected. Okay, so I'm going to start right here then. All right? I'm going to start right here, and everybody in this room is connected. Do you know I can't see the end of this line? I have no idea who's back there, nor can I see that end of that line. And you know what? I'm probably not going to come in contact with them who knows when. I'm probably not going to be able to minister to them. Now, I'm going to be able to minister to him because I'm right here beside him. Do you understand that? I may even get to know him a little bit 
and minister to him. But what I give him, what can he do with it? He can turn this way and minister it to her. Then when he ministers it to her, she's got something to minister to him. It's the same way the loaves and fishes happen. They broke it and they gave it to the next person along. And they broke it and they gave it to the next person along. And they all had basically living bread. They basically all had then living bread. But they had to break it and give it to the next. What did he do? He made them sit down beside each other. And they all came in contact with each other then. Now what's happening in our lives is people are disconnecting from each other. And they're thinking, I don't have a relationship with this person. And I don't have a relationship with this person. And I just ran into this person. And it doesn't mean anything because I ran into them. And I don't know them at all. And I'm never going to see them again. And I don't believe in that. Okay, you can be broken up again. Break up with your pal. But now, the persons, everybody that didn't know the person's hand that you were holding next to, you raise your hand. Look around. Raise it real high. You didn't even know that person. But you came in contact with them today. You see what I'm saying? Dave used to say this all the time, and you've probably heard him say it in sermons. When he would get up in the mornings, when he was flying out of here, we were flying back and forth, and and they were booking tickets and stuff like that. He'd always pray that the flight that he got on was the flight that he needed to minister to someone. Now, most people do just the opposite. They pray that the flight that they get on, they can not be bothered by anybody. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? But we as Christians, we can't turn our back on people and fulfill our purpose. We as Christians has almost got to get up in people's business just a little bit. With a little bit of love sometimes. Let me read you another verse here. Let me, let me tell you this before we do that. The reason that... I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit because I want to get to the good part. The reason that... People are ready to commit suicide. Church people, world people. is because they have not realized that they are a spirit being. And that their spirit here on the earth has a purpose. And every day when they wake up, they're fulfilling their flesh's purpose. And not their spirit's purpose. The only fulfillment I know just in my life. Keith and I went off to Raymond. Now, I thought my job was to be the natural one. I thought my job was to be the one that helped to provide while he went to become a minister. 
I thought that was my natural job because I was bringing in the bucks. And that was a spiritual thing. Don't get me wrong. But it's not the only spiritual thing. While I was there, the Lord would constantly open doors. Like Keith was just saying the other day. Young ladies would get into these big messes with their husbands or their big messes with their boyfriends or something like that. Or just everybody that you'd come in contact with, it just seemed like it was one thing or another. You have a choice then. And I'm going to tell you the greatest revelation I ever learned in ministry. You want to know it? Five people do. Whisper this to her and then I'll whisper it to you. (laughs) Or does everybody want to know it? Ministry is never convenient. The time that somebody needs you is never convenient. It's when you're doing the most stuff and you're the busiest and you don't need to add anything else to what you're doing and that's when the devil's going to say, go minister to them or take care of them or help them. The easiest thing to do as humans is nothing. It's the easiest thing to do. Well, I don't want to get involved. Well, it's not my place. Well, what can I do anyway? Well, I don't really know that much. I'm not a preacher. Well, I'll tell the pastors about it. Maybe they can send somebody. Your life will never be fulfilled doing that. I know the greatest fulfillment I began to feel in my life is when you see that you actually helped somebody's marriage and they didn't get a divorce. When you see you actually helped somebody, I know just recently I was talking to this young lady and she was depressed. I'm telling you, everybody basically had talked to her. She had been through some things and, and the devil had tried to just basically kill her. No, not basically. He tried to kill her and she was depressed. And I just prayed about it some. Now that takes you not thinking about yourself. For you to take the time to pray about another person. So I did. And I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, what's the deal with that? And it's part of this. They're not doing their ministry. This is what their grace and ministry is. And so I gave them a middle name. Blank, happy, blank. I kid you not, just recently, I got a text from them. And I I think it was the boss sent out an email or Facebook or something and said, they are the happiest person in our office. Everybody comes in and says how they smile and how they're the happiest person around and how everybody wants to be around them. Well, it wasn't that way just not long ago. Well, that makes you feel good. That you keep somebody from going this way and they start going this way. That's fulfillment. 
Now, you can have all the diamonds, you can have all the cars, you can have all the houses, you can have all the victories in a thousand different areas, but until you fulfill your purpose for being here, it's not going to fill this inside you. And you're going to lay in your bed at night and you're going to become depressed yourself. And you're going to become sad yourself. Because you're going to begin to ask yourself, what's the point? I work hard all day and I do this all week and nobody appreciates me. Well, the reason nobody appreciates you is because what have you done for someone to appreciate you? And I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about actual ministry. And ministry is not standing up here. 99.99999% of the ministry that I do is not up here. We have a calling deep within us to help other people. We have a calling deep within us that, that we're supposed to minister to other people as they're hurting. And if you know somebody that's got a marriage problem, it should be your job. They've got a marriage problem. What can I do? Get the scriptures out. Go. I'm going to go home and study on marriage, and I'm going to go in tomorrow, and I'm going to pray with them about this, and I'm going to tell them this, and I'm going to do this for Don't just hand them a tape. They ain't there yet. And besides that, that's going to bring you no fulfillment. You have a purpose here on the earth. And if all it is, like this young lady I was talking about, is to make people smile and make them happy, you need to find out what your purpose is. She's working a secular job, but she realized, this is my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to do. Let me go on and read you a couple of other scriptures. All right. Matthew, you won't like this one either. See, we'll get to change the page here in just a minute, but you won't like this one either. So let's read it. Matthew 7.20. It's the King James. It says, Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. Wherefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. Now, what kind of fruit you've been producing? Now, when I grew up, we used to have a little persimmon tree. Anybody know what a persimmon is? Them suckers are bitter. You put them in your mouth, and it's going to turn it inside out. I think some people produce persimmons. Because they are some kind of bitter. But you don't have to. Do you know why you're bitter? You hadn't found your purpose. You're never going to be happy until you find your God-given purpose. It's not going to happen. You're never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to be full of joy. You're never going to have any victory. You're never going to have any uh, faith. You're never... Nothing. Because you can't do anything within yourself. You have to find... What satisfies you in here, and it's never going to be what satisfies your flesh. Mm 
Next verse. This is going to be your favorite. All night one. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. So what is our purpose here in this life? What is our calling? What is our purpose? What are we supposed to do every day when we get up? We should be crystal clear on what our purpose is. Number one, an extension of the presence of God. Everywhere you go, you should show God's presence about you. I deal with people all the time. They say, God this, God that, God this, God that. And the next thing you know, they're going to steal something from somebody. Well, no, they, it's, they're just a this, they're just a that. It's okay to just take it from them. That's not the presence of the Lord. All right? Expression of God's person. We're going to get into these individually. An expression of God's person. Who God actually is. Who is God? He is love. An exhibition of God's power. What will God do for everyone that you come in contact with? Can you let you... You actually, you, not me, lay hands on somebody and they get healed? Yes. Yeah, really? Yes. Really? And you? And you? And you? And you? And you? And you? Don't hesitate. And you? And you? How many believers do I have in here? Every person in here can lay hands on the sick and they will, shall, will. Recover. Everyone. It can't just be me standing way over here because I'm not going to come in contact with them back there. It has to be all of us combined together doing what God's called us to do. And it doesn't... People people try to make it some big and... and oh... Shake the earth type thing. It doesn't have to be that. All it has to be is, God said if we'd pray and believe together, He'd heal us. I can believe that He'd heal you of that kidney infection. Can you believe that? Yes, yes. Well, let's just pray. Father God, I love my sister right here, and I believe you would touch her and heal her. In Jesus' name, amen. How quick is that? How quick is that? And, and then, especially if they're not a believer, what's going to happen? God is going to perform His Word with... You don't need to preach her a two-day sermon. That's going to run her off. You understand what I'm saying? Babies don't need... It's like our babies in the nursery. How long do we preach to the two-year-olds? Two minutes. She's a two-year-old spirit. I don't know how she is spiritual. I'm just using her for an example. She's a two-year-old spiritually. So you talk to her, only preach to her maximum two minutes. 
And you pray with her. You say, if you want something more about this sometime, you can give me a call. Here's my number. Let them get back with you. Because if they don't want any more, you pushing it off on them is going to make them run away. It's going to push them away. We have pushed people away by preaching at them and judging them. Our job is to, we'll get to it some more, I'm getting ahead of myself again, is to love them, the expression of God's love. Genesis 1, God said, 26, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Ephesians 4.24 says, And put on the new man. The next part's what I want you to get. Which, which after who? Your mom and dad. You're created and have the same expressions as your mom and dad. You can only do what mom and dad did. And you react exactly like mom and dad did. What does that say? Put on the new man, which after God is created. When you get born again, you're putting on a new man that's created after God. You take on his likenesses and his abilities and his strengths and his character. You take on who he is. Now, you may make a mistake, but you just repent. Ask him to forgive you. But when we take on his character, we do things like he does it. Now, why do we... Now, let's go into this. Here's why my table's here. I'm going to sit down and play with dolls for a while. Can you all watch me while I play with dolls for a while? Okay, these five people will again. Okay, when we're born again, I think I'm going to try to help you tonight with something. All right. Somebody blessed me, letting me use these tonight, whoever it was. Thank you. Oh, and I meant to say, Daniel, you did an outstanding job leading the music tonight. Yes, he did, didn't he? Okay, this big one right here, anybody want to guess what that is? That's your flesh. You want to guess what this little bitty one is right here? This one lives inside of this one. When you get born again. He's in there. But he is so tiny... That you can barely hear him. He's like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And you can barely hear him because he's so little. When you first get born again. But God will tell you something when you first get born again to do. He'll show you something that's your graces. Most of us have graces all of our lives. But most of us try to change them and do our own things and do our own way. 
But especially if even if through your whole life, if you haven't yielded to what God wanted you to yield to, when you get born again, immediately again, God shows you your graces again. I don't want to tell this because I'm pretty sure Keith's not watching because he's for a service, but maybe he won't watch it later. But when I got really born again, you know, he, he tells the story about we were in the oneness Pentecostal church and he was trying to get filled with the Holy Spirit and we had first gotten married and I was Catholic and I had no clue what he wanted. All I knew was I was sick and tired of going to church every single night. We didn't go to church that long. We went to church 30 minutes or a little longer. And and um, if we messed up, we went to confession on Saturday night. And bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And we're out of there. And, um, Amen. right? Amen. And... Um, we got a little sermonette, maybe two minutes long, and we took communion, and we went home. And um, But he's taken me to this Pentecostal church every night that starts at 7 o'clock, and it's out at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I've got to go to work for the next day, you know? And it's just getting old, you know? And older and older the longer it went on. And so they had it set up to where... If the people went to the altar to pray, the men would go on this side and the ladies would go on this side, you know, and and I'm really tired of it. And so he goes up again and I thought, oh, God, no, you know, that's really, that's just how I felt. And, um, but then the Lord dealt with me and, and um, I thought, could it be something that I've done or I'm doing that's keeping him from receiving what he's trying to receive? You got to be willing. Amen. You got to be willing to get up, give up whatever for somebody else. And until you are, you're not really. You might want to get another dip, and not a dip of skull, as Brother Hagen said. If you're not willing to give up your life for somebody else, then you might want to check again. So anyway, I went up there, and just in that action, I went up there and I said, Lord, if there's anything that I'm doing that's keeping him from getting whatever he wants from you, I don't know what it is. I didn't have a clue. I didn't know anything about this stuff. And that action of me being willing to sacrifice and give up of myself for someone else. God met me. God supernaturally met me. And I fell out in the floor. Keith says, I don't remember. He said it was a pew like this. And I hit my head on the back of that pew. And I went out. And he said, I stayed out for a while. At first they thought, you know, it had knocked me out. But he said he knew it hadn't. And, and um so I got up and I was just fine. And he said, I never, you know, and I didn't. I never had a knot on my head or anything. I didn't know any of this happened. And so immediately they said, now you've got to be baptized. Well, it's one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and it's freezing cold outside. And they didn't have a baptistry. They had a pond. <laughs> and it was 20 minutes from there. 
And so, and it's already one o'clock in the morning. So I go and I go to the pond and you've all heard the story and I get baptized. And the minute that I come up because of, you know, some instruction and stuff from the people we were riding with, the minute that you come up out of the water, you be, you just believe that you're going to be speaking in tongues. So I believed I was going to be speaking in tongues. So the moment that I started the motion upward, I'm speaking in tongues. And, but that wasn't the thing that I'm trying to get to. But the moment that that happened, I would have thought the Lord would have told me something really, really special. You know, here I am speaking in tongues, I'm being baptized, saved, all these things. And I got the greatest revelation from the Lord. And I didn't tell anybody. We went back to our house and some people, it's still 1, 32, 30 in the morning. Some people's dumb. Why we're doing it, I have no idea. We all got to go to work the next day. Invite us over to eat something at their house at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're young. You're dumb. So we're in the house changing clothes and Keith said, what did the Lord tell you? I said, nothing. He said, you sure? I said, no, nothing, nothing. I didn't tell him for probably five years what the Lord told me. Maybe longer than that. I don't remember because I tried to forget. But the Lord knew our future. And he knew what was going to be coming up. And he knew what the devil was going to try to do. And the only reason I'm telling you this story is because the Lord told you something too. And, and I could have, and I did, Try to reject what the Lord told me. I tried very hard to reject what the Lord told me. This is what he told me. You want to know? Now you're listening. Look at you. (laughs) Look at you. Everybody in here says yes. Submit to your husband. I didn't even know what the word submit meant. (laughs) Because my mother ran our household. But he knew what was coming up. For the next 10 years of our life, Keith teaching at Ramah and teaching a course on submission. And he knew what our future was going to hold. And he knew that basically the body of Christ had lost some of that. And he knew that in order for us to get to the places that we needed to be and, and to know that I had to honor him in order for the Lord to honor me, I had to start there. But I rejected it because I didn't know enough about it. And I found me as many scriptures as I could find to go the other direction. And I fought it. And I was very unfulfilled. And we almost got a divorce. And we fought like cats and dogs for years. But the minute that I made the choice to go back and do what God told me to do and submit, no matter what my flesh said, this thing right here, I listened to that little bitty voice inside me. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it because it's what you told me. 
and I did it. Well, the minute that I did that, this little bitty thing in here started doing this. And I started hearing from God, and that voice got louder. And I could hear him better. And I began to get things from him, and I started to feel a little bit stronger and a little bit more fulfilled in what I was doing. And I wasn't so cryy all the time and so upset all the time and so feeling sorry for myself all the time and that the whole world thought Keith was this grand thing and I was just a piece of mud. Well, you would have to realize where I was coming from. Here's Keith, an instructor at Rama. Everybody knows who he is, and all I do is go to work and bring home the money. And nobody even knew I existed. Everybody thought at the time he was married to Patsy. (laughs) Kind of like Tom. Kind of like Tom and Amy when he said that. But the minute that I did what the Lord said, I began to feel this fulfillment inside me. And he began opening doors of opportunity for me to help this one at work and for me to help this one at work. And things on the inside of me, I began to see I helped them. I did that. That wasn't Keith. That wasn't what this one did because every person has a purpose and a calling. But it didn't conflict with me being submissive to Keith. It was not a conflict of interest with what he was doing. It was a falling in line with what God had called him to do. And the more I did that, the more that this happened. Then the next thing that I know is that I'm working at Ramah. And everybody knows I'm Keith's wife. And God's honoring me. And I have a purpose. And I'm fulfilled. And I'm no longer depressed. And I'm no longer sad and laying in my bed and and my pillow's so filled with tears that I can't get up in the morning and I don't want to get up in the morning. Because I'm doing what God told me to do. Yes, Keith has a call. But I have a call. And it starts with doing the first thing God told you to do. And it may seem so, so, so small. And it may seem so, so, so insignificant. But the minute that you do that, then you can begin to grow. And now I can hear from God as well as Keith can hear from God. And you can see, I truly believe now my spirit man is bigger than my my flesh man. If it tells me to do something I don't want to do, I just say, no, we're not doing that. You don't have control over me. We're not doing that today. And the greatest thing is when you do that, you lose the devil loses his grip on you and those feelings that used to just overwhelm you and make you feel so sad, you don't have anymore. Amen. They're just gone. And you wonder, when did it change? When did all that happen? When did it change? The moment 
that you begin to do this, you begin growing. And becoming a stronger person. You, you see this little bitty guy here? That's how you started out. But you know what? You can stay this little bitty guy your whole life. Right in here. Inside you. You can stay right there your whole life. It's not until you begin to do your purpose. Now, if each and every person in here does the purpose that they have, they may not ever get up in front of people. People lose sight of the fact that for 40 years, you know, I didn't want to get up in front of anybody. I still would prefer it. But I've ministered to a lot, a lot, a lot of people not up here. And if we, if every person in here finds their purpose and they begin to minister one, you minister to one, and 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 you minister to one. Do you see all these empty seats in here? Yes. It's not about Faith Life Church. I don't care where they go to church. That's right. But I do care that your neighbor may go to hell tomorrow. That's right. Because you can say what you want to, but the times are not getting any better. They're, they're not getting any better that, that you can say, what happened in Noah's time? Why did God create the flood? I mean, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. There, you know, and we don't want to be standing on the wayside and you're working with a person that you're coming in contact with and you have a call on your life and a purpose to be the table or the cup. You can't be a cup if you're a table. Amen. This cup is not this table. This, this table, you pour this water on it, I would do it, but they would fuss at me because um, they'd have to clean it up. But this, this table is not going to hold this water. You pour this whole thing on here, what's it, what's it going to do? It's just going to fall off. Because it's not its purpose. And I can't do your purpose. Everybody in here has a purpose. And it's when we all do exactly what the Lord called us to do is when we reach every person that we're supposed to come in contact with. I was sitting here a couple of weeks ago, and the Lord dealt with me. He said, this place and the one in Branson and the Internet is just about to double. I, and I heard it just as, and I've heard his voice before, and I called Dave, and I called Tom, and I said, guys, this is what I want from you. I want you guys to start praying on Wednesday night. This is what the Lord told me. They're going to do prayer the next several Wednesday nights because that's what the Lord told me, because I know it's about to happen. Because when the end time comes... People are going to start going to church. Because they don't have the answers. That's why they're committing suicide. They don't have the answers. They've got all the money. They've got... You, you kid yourself. You start looking at these guys on TV, and they, some of them... What, what are you seeing on some of these people that supposedly... And I don't watch that much TV, but I'm hearing... What's Kim Kardashian's husband's name? Kanye West. Kanye West having church services? Somebody told me that the other day and told me to send me something and told me to watch it. I'm thinking, are, are you kidding me? 
And this whole crowd of people shows up in L.A. for Kanye West and Kim Kardashian having a church service? Something's going on. Something's going on. And if you don't know who they are, look it up. They are like the number one person that half the world is looking at right now. So if that's happening, then we, the church, has got to be setting a standard and showing people that they don't have to do these things. We've got to be a, a joy. We've got to find our purpose so that we, when we find our purpose, you're going to come in contact with people and do things with them that I'm never going to do. But you can't turn your back on them. You can't say, I'm not feeling good today. You can't say, I don't have time today. You got to make your purpose your priority. Say that with me. My purpose is my priority. Now, this verse real quickly, and then we're going to read this one last thing that I've got. 1 Corinthians 3 said this. You all know it. I planted, Apollos watered, and who gave the increase? So you may witness to somebody. You may come along and say something else to them. And you may hug their neck and God may give the increase through you. Don't feel like just because they didn't get saved the first time you pray with them to get healed... That your time was wasted? Because God says, you plant, you water, you get the increase. But people get so dejected when somebody just doesn't accept the Lord the first time they hear about Him. How many of you, the very first time you heard about the Lord, you accepted Him? One person. Two people. Three. Four. Five. That's a rare thing. It's a really rare thing. That the very first time you hear anything about the Lord or that the Lord exists or that you can get saved, that you get saved. It's a rare thing. Most of the time, it's you hear over and over and somebody else tells you something and it just adds on and adds on. And that's what, what happens with a lot of people. So don't, don't feel like it's, it's not happening. Does anybody know what the Lord told the disciples to do? We'll read it just in case you don't know. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, and he that believes not shall be damned. The Living Bible says this. And he told them, You are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. Those that believe and are baptized will be saved. Those who refuse to believe will be condemned. Now, how many of you in here are disciples? So that didn't end with them. But here's the problem with that. You want to know the difference between them and you? They were not ashamed of the gospel. Good. 
So many people today are ashamed of telling people they love the Lord. They go to church and being a witness for the Lord. You can't love the Lord and be ashamed of the Lord. Doesn't work. You can't be in love with somebody. It would be like Keith being in love with me, but going off somewhere. No, that's not. It's like Peter. That's not, I don't know him. Do you remember? It'd be like Keith saying, I don't know her. We're in a restaurant or somewhere to go. No, I don't know who she is. Who's that crazy woman? Because he's ashamed of me. You can't do that with the Lord. Everywhere I go, people basically know what I do, who I am, what we do. I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm not ashamed of our prosperity. I'm not ashamed of anything that the Lord has done for us. Because I truly believe it. And if you don't truly believe it, you need to get in this book until you truly believe it. You can't just take somebody else's word for something. What happens is the devil keeps us so busy with our work and with our this and with our that and with our this and with our that and with our this and with our that that we have zero time to hear from the Lord about what our purpose is. We have zero time to get quiet with the Lord. We, we don't have any time to find out what we're exactly supposed to be doing for Him. And that's His greatest, greatest, greatest tool is to keep you so busy doing everything else that you refuse to just sit quiet and say, Okay, Lord, what? And even when people are sitting quiet... They're doing all the talking, blah, 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 blah. or they're praying in tongues 100 miles an hour. No. Sometimes you just need to sit quiet before the Lord and say, what, Lord? What? You can't have the TV and the radio and the kids and the dog and the this and the job and the that all going at the same time and actually hear what the Lord wants you to do. It doesn't work. But we do have to find our purpose. This is the last thing I was going to tell you. We are told that the world will know that we are his disciples by what? By our love. So I just put, what's that thing? I made a mess up here. Somebody ought to whoop me. Um, What's that word when you use spell it out? Whatever that word is. Okay, that's... Okay. Yeah, that word. Um, L in love, think about this. Listen to people. Listen to people that you're around. Don't be so quick to give your opinion about what the Bible says. Don't be so quick to preach at people. You hear what I'm saying? At people. Don't be so quick to, when you, you meet somebody, try to tell them everything you know. I've been around people sometimes, business people and, and other people. Sometimes you have to be around them for years. And they're watching every move you make. They're watching to see if you really, really believe what you say. They're watching to see if you live what you say. Because they know who you are. And they're watching to see what you're doing. 
And you're preaching a lot more by what you're doing than what you're saying. So listen to what they're saying. And let them ask you stuff. And if they ask you something, do what I did. 30 seconds, pray with them. Then move on. Let them come back to you. Let them be hungry for more instead of you pushing more on them. So listen. Oh, be observant. Wake up in the morning, like what I said Dave did, and believe God. Now, this is going to take you finding your purpose and desiring to do your purpose. This will make your depression go away. This will make that every sixth person not be depressed and ready to commit suicide. Be observant to the people around you. And be willing to say, God... As I go into church tonight, show me if there's somebody that I need to give a hug. Or as I go into the grocery store today, show me if there's somebody that I need to do something for. Or if I just need to pay for their groceries. Or if I need to... Anything. You you may not have the money, but you could do something for them. But you have to be willing to be observant. If you're not willing to be observant, God's not going to show you. But you have to be willing to be observant. Valuable, the V. You have to count everybody that you come in contact with as valuable. Instead of seeing their faults, see their value. And see if there's a way that you can minister peace to them, love to them, hope to them, excitement to them, joy to them. Most people, every six one, just need somebody to believe in them. Every six one just needs somebody to say, what's your purpose? You got a purpose? What's your purpose? What you going to do? You know, who are you ministering to? Who, did you get to minister to somebody this week? Yeah. I loved on this person. Did you believe what happened? This happened to him. This happened to him. And listen to somebody. All right. Then be an encourager. Encourage other people that they can find what God's called them to do. They can fulfill what God's called them to do. And they can be what God's called them to do. If we do that, guys, if we are in the place that God's called us to be in, then people will want to be where we are. They will want to be in God's presence. They will want to be in the place because they won't be uh, feeling like they're going to commit suicide tomorrow. They'll see you and they'll see hope. They'll see answers. But if we are one in every six of us ready to commit suicide, why are we any different than the rest of them? Because we haven't found our own purpose. And it's not just to go get a paycheck. It's not just to go do this. Yes, we have to do that. But in that job, you have to say, God, what is my purpose in this job while I'm doing this job? It's more to it than just building a house. It's more to it than just uh, being a receptionist. It's more to it. If you hide your candle while you're there, then you're not accomplishing your purpose. If you hide who you are all day long and then just come to church on Sunday, you're going to be depressed. It's about you not focusing on me all the time and you focusing on, God, what is my purpose? 
Did I get something done on my purpose today? And when you lay your head down on your pillow at night, you feel, yeah, I accomplished something on my purpose today. Why God put me here? I'm not a cup. I'm a table. And I loved somebody, or I fed somebody, or I... Everybody has a different calling. How many of you in here are willing to seek the Lord again about what your purpose is? Or you feel like you will find your purpose for real? For real. How many of you feel like you backed off your purpose? Hands are going kind of like this, but... Okay, let's stand up. I believe, this is what I believe with all my heart... I believe the Lord is going to help us. I'm going to pray. And just like I don't want people going through what I went through for so long. It was hell on earth. And I don't mind saying it. We've said it in our marriage meetings. We've said it over and over again. Had I have done what the Lord told me to do that night when I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Had I have just done the one thing he told me. I could have saved myself a lot of turmoil, a lot of misery, a lot of problems. I could have, but I didn't do it. And I believe there's a lot of people that's going through that, that if they would just do the one thing that the Lord has told them to do for years and decades, some people, multiple decades, um, their life would change as quickly as mine. Mine, it was just like almost overnight, my life changed. And the, the, for as bad as the depression and the sorrow and the sadness was, it's like the joy is so more, much more overwhelming and the honor is so much more overwhelming. But it just takes that realizing that your spirit is greater than your flesh. And once you start yielding to your spirit and not your flesh, you're going to find your victories and you're going to find your fulfillment. Can you say amen? Amen. Bow your heads for just a minute.